Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. Our guest today is Christian Jackson, a lighting designer, programmer, and operator specializing in the world of electronic dance music. Originally hailing from Montana, he now resides in Seattle, but is most likely touring with your favorite producer. He also has a thriving YouTube channel chock full of tutorials and behind-the-scenes footage of his recent gigs, so be sure to check that out. And without any further ado, here is Christian Jackson. Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast. I'm Jordan, and I have here Christian Jackson, who is a lighting director, among many other things. A few other things. A, a couple other things, one or two. Um, and that's, I think, what's been the coolest thing about you that has really made me want you here on the podcast is the fact that you've made lighting directing something that people know about. Right. So it's been one of those things where you've got a DJ who's the famous person, uh, you've got the promoter who throws the shows, and then a lot of people know even the VJ. You know, they're throwing up all the cool mm-hmm. videos on screen and whatnot. Um, but it's it's been nice to see behind the scenes of what the LD does, the lighting director. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've, it's it's one of those things I've been trying to bring to, uh, not not to uh, make too bad of, too bad of a pun, but to bring to light uh, kind of the. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> the, uh, the the whole side of the industry that not everybody sees. Everybody's familiar with promoters. Everybody's familiar with you know people who do marketing at clubs. Uh, but there is a whole other side of it that I think uh, really deserves to be shown. Yeah. And so uh, I guess speaking of that, your club experience, you did quite a bit at a Q nightclub for a while. Yeah. Um, and from being the technical director there, you have now... You then moved into being a lighting programmer for Anjuna Beats, which yeah. is like one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> so, which is really cool to watch you. One of my favorites there. too, to be honest. Yeah, and then now you're an LD for Zomboy. Yeah, so that was um, that. That's kind of the the basics of the last maybe two and a half years of what I've been doing, and um, yeah, so it, it just kind of. I kind of come in and out of these phases of working with different teams. Uh, Anjuna Beats, I, I did a tour with them. Um, and I did a whole summer with Zomboy. And then I kind of fell in with Dylan Francis from you know time to time. Uh, it's it's a really fluid kind of uh, career that I've got going right now. I really enjoy it. And so you've got a little break right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm off pretty much until uh, New Year's week. And then, uh, then things that, get crazy. Yeah, that gets crazy again. Okay, nice. Um, so yeah, so you started out from some humble beginnings which has been uh pretty funny you recently put out uh, an industry question and answer video and mm-hmm. you uh showed a picture of you at paradiso in what was that, <laughs> 2013 yeah that was uh paradiso 2013 yeah and so you kind of just mentioned how you showed up and were blown away by the production and mm-hmm. how everything was uh, and it kind of set you on a journey which has brought you to some pretty cool names that you just yeah. Threw down. Now I'm sitting right here with Jordan. That's like <laughs> probably the coolest name so far. I think. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. that. Uh, so we're yoga teachers, and uh, one of our students is Virginia. And Virginia went through our teacher training. She just went through another little module that we did yesterday, uh-huh. and uh, she has told us about some even prior humble beginnings where she used to throw dance events and had you come do some lighting stuff. 
Yeah, um, there is kind of a history in Montana of me doing a lot of these little shows where I, I'd pretty much just pack up a trailer full of my equipment that I had bought over like years and years of saving up money and buying these little lighting equipment things. And I would just pack it all up in a trailer and go do these shows, make like 300, 400 bucks. And then, you know, it, it was just this really, really, I guess, grassroots way of figuring out how to do lighting. And yeah, it, it was crazy that I met all these people, both in Montana and in Seattle, who have like also come up in a similar sort of path. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have a whole storage unit. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I sub rent part of a shop. Gotcha. So. <laughs> gotcha. Similar to the setup I've got going yeah, exactly, on here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's not, let's not call it what it isn't. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It's always just funny seeing the, the OCD comments online about how perfectly everything's laid out. Yeah. It's gear. an illusion. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah. And then also another Montana person, we got Jason Wu, yeah. who, uh, I've been good friends with for a while now, met him at an EDC years ago mm -hmm. and, um, it's been cool watching his journey into photography. And I know you're yeah. also into photography as well. A little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so how did Jason's relationship at all, like influence your decision to move to Seattle? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I would say he was one of the top two catalysts for me moving out here. Um, there's actually some photos that are floating around. I might be able to find one and put it on screen if I end up putting this uh, this video podcast out. But uh, there's a photo of us searching for our first apartment <laughs> here in Seattle. And we just moved here. That was uh, three and a half years ago. And he got a job with Sean Majors working at Q uh, as a photographer. And, you know, he was making a big move. I was in a, a state of change in Montana. I didn't want to be there anymore. Not because I didn't like the people. I just I wanted to do more. And I saw he was doing more and I was like, well, I can't just let him get away like that. I got, I got to do more too. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I wanted to see if it was possible for me to come out as well. And Jason was bless his soul, kind enough to set up a meeting with Sean majors. And, uh, I was, I've never been so nervous in my life meeting someone I, I, you know, kid from Montana, who's only ever done his own little shows, you know, for 200, 300 people in a warehouse coming out to the biggest nightclub in Seattle with like this insane function one sound system, bunch of moving lights, a, a video or a, a lighting console I'd never even touched before. And, uh, you know, trying to convince them that they should, you know, hand me the keys over to, to their system. Um, and I guess it worked out. So, yeah, you just convinced them you knew what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good bullshitter, but, um, I also like to back up my bullshit with, at least having the process of being able to think through a problem, right? So even if I say I can do something and maybe I don't really know exactly how to do something, I can figure out the process and use my resources available to me to figure it out. Yeah, that's what that's what I think is kind of appealed to a lot of people in the social media game. I would say mm. your social media presence is quite strong, <laughs> uh, but, but strong in a different way. Uh, you kind of right. mentioned how nervous you were to come out here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that speaks to so many different people in the world we live in with social anxiety, whatever that's caused by, if it's yeah. massive technology, if it's uh, social media that causes this anxiety. But I think people relate a lot to where you came from and how you started that you came from these humble, small beginnings of just really enjoying something and seeing where it took you. Because mm -hmm. um, I know you're big into DJing and yep. I know that was something you kind of saw yourself doing yep. more. You've that, got, that was the original passion for sure. 
Yeah. And so you switched into lighting. How, how has that kind of worked? How do you see DJing still relating? Right. Well, uh, the way I see it is it's just a different way of telling the same story. Right. So that's, that's how I perceive pretty much anything I do in the artistic realm of my life. Uh, you know, if, if there's some way that I can enhance the experience for the most people possible, I, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to pursue. With DJing, I found that that was more of a personal outlet more than anything. You know, I love to make mixes that reflect how I feel at the time. You know, I'm not necessarily someone who wants to fill a dance floor and you know give everybody what they want to hear at the time. I want to I want to play what I want to listen to. And for some people, that happens to coincide with what everybody else wants to listen to. But for me, I just don't think that's the case. So it, it became one of those things where I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to push it into something that I wasn't really passionate about. I, I feel like I could have like continued DJing and maybe like, you know, become a pretty cool local DJ and have a bunch of residencies. I feel like I could be doing that right now if I decided to do that instead of pursuing the lighting stuff. Um, it's just different choice that I made about two years ago to really buckle down and focus on the art that I loved more. And that happened to be the lighting. Yeah. And it, it seems to kind of speak to your humility in a way of wanting to be behind the scenes and doing cool stuff and meeting the people and being able to showcase your techie side, mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, you have 35,000 subscribers on YouTube and that's because <laughs> you throw up some crazy videos about some super technical stuff on how to work your way through controllers. I remember I was on stage at foundation. I was supposed to go up and I went and put my <laughs> USB in and it didn't call up any of my cue points. And I was like, uh, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Ran into the green room, pulled up my phone, looked up like how to find your cue points. First thing, Christian Jackson video. <laughs> okay, shit. Quick two minute video. All right, now I know what I'm doing. Go back and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so I think it, it seems to fit you the more I get to know you that you like the, the background, which is it's this weird world of like you feel like the DJ's the head person, mm -hmm. but then you get to know more of the industry behind it. And that person's just like, a face but then there's actually the whole body the whole unit that's putting everything together and that's the behind the scenes yeah um so that seems to kind of fit well with you Would yeah you agree? I, I agree with that to an extent I, I i don't know if i would entirely discount the djs as just being a face though you know True. It, it's it, it all starts at the root of people listening to the music they're not going to go to a show of someone's songs who they don't know or whose performance they're not familiar with so i think the fact that these DJs spend so much time, these DJs and producers spend so much time, you know, eight, 10 years sometimes working on becoming a good producer and creating these songs that people connect with emotionally, that gives me the platform to then bring that emotion to a visual sense, right? So this whole time, it's just all feeling and memories and emotion when you're listening to a song, but I want to be able to replicate that uh, for the visual sense. And without them and providing that foundation, there's, there's, there's nothing else there. A lot of people say like, oh yeah, the DJ is just like, you know, just a guy on a mat, a guy with a mask. They, they work really hard and everybody that I work with, you know, they all are incredibly hard workers and I respect the hell out of all of them. And I wouldn't have a job without them, to be honest. And I'm not just saying that that's, yeah, they're truly inspirational people. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess that's a great distinction to make between the DJ and a producer. Right. Um, as a DJ myself, who's played for several years in the Seattle scene and still trying to make my way through it mm. while also trying to do producing on the side that kind of hasn't quite panned out. 
yet. Right. Um, but that's where I would say that huge distinction is between DJing and producing because that producing side. But again, that almost goes back to like the techie side. Mm-hmm. Like you made a post about Zomboy, how you've like never met another person who as a DJ is so into the backside of yeah. things. Um, and I guess that's where to me the difference lies between... I don't want to like name drop DJs because I don't want to be that person. That's fine. But between like an an artist who is a DJ and also creates visuals and, you know, syncs them all up together and makes a performance because they're interested in a greater scheme of things versus someone who's going and playing at a nightclub and just throwing down a bunch of music, which right. is technically what I do right. <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I think that also speaks to something else you brought up in the um, the question and answers video is that myth of the pro DJ that doesn't actually <laughs> DJ. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very widespread. And I would say I probably even fell into that category several times. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I've seen some cool videos of like Armin producing his videos and syncing them all up directly. So he presses play on a CDJ and it also plays on the whole video that's right. went with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to know that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think in the future you could see yourself one day producing music, <laughs> DJing, and being able to kind of cultivate all this? Damn, you got me figured out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have thought about that. I, I I do these things where it's always it's how I've always been. I really like to devote my time into learning how to do one thing really well. And then I kind of branch out from there and I, I see myself as having this, this tree of skills. Right. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what the foundation of that is, but I'm working on all the branches of that. So it's, it's the videography, it's the YouTube channel, it's learning how to produce, it's learning how to do lights and visuals and lasers. It's learning how to design stages. It's all coming together um, in this really unique package that is like who I am. And I feel like I'm kind of working in reverse. And so I'm kind of growing inward rather than growing outward. And it's a really weird feeling. But yeah, it, what you said is pretty much exactly right. I, I do definitely see in the future me having the skills um, after like decades of cultivation of these things to have you know a show of my own. I think that would be very cool. So basically, like you said, that reverse and a reverse of someone, say, like Porter Robinson, who I know you said is someone that you would love to work with. Someone who I remembered down in California, I went and shot photography for one of his shows down in Mm -hmm. at the Catalyst in Santa Cruz in like 09. And the kid wasn't even old enough to drink. He was like pounding Red Bulls. Yeah. And he came up with a few sweet songs that everyone loved. And then now to go see him at the gorge Mm -hmm. with his own full crazy setup. And you can tell that kid doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like that kid is doing what he loves and he's putting his heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely see that, but is, is there any other specific reason why Porter Robinson is someone that you would love to work with? Uh, I've I've been a huge fan of his music forever. I would say, uh, him, dead mouse, um, Early, earlier Zed, not really into, <laughs> <laughs> not really into his like super recent stuff. The, the poppy stuff kind of loses me. But um, yeah, I, I just remember listening to, uh, to Language. Um, and that was, that and Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, those were, <laughs> those were my major uh, turning points in my music taste, I, I would say. Nice. And I, I remember, I just remember driving like 
three hours to a show in Montana and I'd just be playing language. And uh, I remember Dead Mouse, things get complicated, all these different songs. And I was like, this is this is what I want to be involved with. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how much emotion that we tie to the memory of specific songs. Like oh, yeah. all these songs that you're throwing, not all of them, I guess, I guess more like language and stuff was definitely a later track in like 2013, 2014. Yeah. Cause I first saw dead mouse in 09. And like ever since I've, I find I always go back to a term progressive. Yeah. Ben Garrison, like when I first played one of my shows, he was like, Oh, you know, like what style do you play? I was like, Oh, like house and like big room and stuff. Right. And then I went and played tracks. Like, no, like these are all like are all progressive, progressive yeah. in their own way. <laughs> And so it's funny to like remember those memories of certain times and feel like almost like your whole vision of who you are comes back to this beginning point of like a couple few songs Yep. and your style always changes. Like I know you, you DJ a bit of techno. You're a, a fan bit. of that. It was, uh, unfortunately it was out of town. Wasn't able to it's see okay. the CDJ My birthday show. party. I get it. Yeah. It's all good, man. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Christian, Drew, and Jason, yeah. which w- was pretty cool to see like three powerhouse, <laughs> all blacked out kids wearing backwards hats, <laughs> just slaying it. Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, maybe one of my favorite nights um, I've had, honestly. Yeah. It yeah. was really fun. Nice. <laughs> and do you feel like the, like, what draws you in about techno now versus the music style of more Zed? Cause right. it's still got that poppy that I remember stuff. Dead mouse still has like the poppy vibes with a bit yeah. of like electro progressive versus like techno is like a, a darker. Yeah. It's um, I've found that I, I associate more with feelings of sounds more than lyrics uh, internally, at least. And this depends entirely on my mood. Like it can change. I, you know, sometimes I'll be listening to emo rock and then I'll, I'll listen to 2008 dead mouse. And then I'll listen to, uh, you know, Migos. I have this entire range of, of genres that I listen to. And, and not to say like, you know, those people are like, Oh yeah, folk genres, man. Like (laughs) everybody says that everybody says like, Oh, I don't have like one genre that I, I specifically like everybody says that. So that's, this is one of my annoyances. I, I get really annoyed when people are like, yeah, I, I, I listen to everything. Like, no, you, I guarantee you, you don't. Yep. I, I promise you, you probably don't. Yeah. But it's a cool, it's the cool thing to say. So yeah, I listen to everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I completely got tangented. The, and the, the listening to everything is almost a, like more of a lack of knowledge than anything. It's yeah, like, oh, I don't, like I don't know what I like. So I'm right. going to say that I like everything. And, and I don't like, claim to be a music expert, like even remotely. There are people like Molly Brooks who would wipe the floor with me. <laughs> in any sort of uh you know musical taste competition yeah i i just know what i like i am 100 certain of what i like i think that's a good thing to have and it seems like you know what you like in way more than just a musical standpoint because yeah. you've learned your way around photography videography around lighting so it seems like you kind of know what you what you're yeah. into i have a very specific vision of what my future is going to be and what i need to do to get there and i i work every day to to get that. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are, are searching for in life. Um, yeah. and it, it's, it's good to have that. I think that's a, it's a good spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say then right now, your favorite style of music is <laughs> my favorite style of music right now. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like post hardcore rock. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, uh, that's only been a recent thing in maybe the last three or four months. 
a lot of stuff that's kind of taken me back to uh, my middle school years and then kind of like the modern counterparts of that. So that's that's really what I've been into. I was a huge Linkin Park fan, first of all. And a couple months ago, we all know, uh, Chester took his own life. And that was a huge, that was a completely gut-wrenching moment for me because that was the music that got me through middle school, literally. And I know there's a ton of people out there who feel the exact same way, who know all the lyrics to all the songs. I'm one of those people. And um, so it, it's been a real... Uh, you know, I guess with the sadness comes a, a resurgence of this discovery of these people who have kind of carried his torch. And that's what I've been really into lately. I feel you. Well, I'd love it if you shared some of that with me. I uh, yeah. I was driving to a gig on Wednesday and in the end came on the radio yeah. and I like just start belting out every lyric. And then halfway through, it just hits me what happened with Chester and I just start bawling. And I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm in tears driving, listening to a song that like, like, got me through middle school like yeah. you said that stuff was everything to me yeah. um and then my fiance has some uh intense stuff that has happened in her life with suicide and so mm -hmm. that's why i did the the whole movember thing that right. just ended and that's wonderful yeah I trying to raise some money for like suicide awareness because like that's always been something important to me but yep. it's next level when someone who is someone like your idol that you looked up to for all these years that seems to have made their way through and conquered their demons and right. gotten to the next level. And then you're like, holy shit, that person is still real, just yep. like us. Exactly. That was definitely the hardest hitting part about it. And you know, you, you said it just as well as I could have. Someone who spent their whole life talking about fighting their demons, eventually losing their battle to their own. That was, you know, that was like really heart wrenching for me. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And I think there's, a platform for you now you mentioned like people tend to think you're in the big leagues but you're still kind of in the middle <laughs> leagues now you're trying to work through things but i think that still leaves you open and accessible um yeah. to being able to enact some change in some people's lives and give them some hope and inspiration which i think is nice uh i'm gonna quote you again from that industry questions and answers just because <laughs> that thing ended up being quite uh, enthralling and you said make yourself someone who is helpful kind and a valuable person in the industry and the work will come to you yeah absolutely and so i think that's cool that you've kind of found a way that you can share that information mm -hmm. um i think as a dj in my world it's felt a lot like people they find their tips and tricks and they don't really like to share that yeah, they hold on to it yeah and I love that you've shared everything you can with people. Yeah, everything I can within reason. I, <laughs> it, it's kind of like one of those things I, I can't, you know, I can't give away the whole recipe. Yeah. But uh, I, I do like to, I, I want to inspire people to figure out how to create their own art through what I do. Um, and so I, I get asked all the time, like, to purchase my show file for the lighting console that I use. And I, I've almost entertained the idea a couple of times just to make a point that it doesn't matter if you have my intellectual property, if you don't know how to use it and you don't know how it's assembled, it's going to be almost useless for you. Um, and I think that's true with all of like any any creative endeavor. You know, I can tell you my camera settings for this this panorama I shot, but that doesn't get you on the plane to San Francisco. That doesn't get you, you know, on the trolley to go up the hill. That doesn't make you walk down the hill to find this like really rare spot to take this photo from. And it doesn't give you the patience to wait there for 30 minutes as the sun sets to just the right level. Yeah. But people want to know what are, what are the camera settings? 
It's just, it's, it, it's mind blowing to me. I, but at the same time, it's not because I realize people are, are kind of taught this from school, from this traditional sense of schooling where, you know, there's a test that you have to study for. Here are the answers. Uh, I, I, I want to teach people how to create their own processes for working. That, and that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Nice. Yeah. Did you end up graduating college? Nope. Yeah. Dropped out after three semesters. It's one of those things I, I look at it back at it now and like I gained quite a bit from it, but I graduated college and I barely using any of that. Yeah. Cause I feel like it definitely just kept solidifying this idea of like, follow the rules. Yeah. I could talk about college and how it's not a good <laughs> idea forever. That's, that's the craziest thing. All, all the big people now, the big investors, the people who are making it big in our 2017 world are like, yeah, college isn't really helpful. Hashtag dropout life. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're dealing that with that right now. Antonella's uh, daughter is 18 and she's, you know, going to Cascadia just to yeah. try to take some stuff that she's interested in. But it's crazy that college has been force fed down our throats. And then mm -hmm. it's like, mm, nah, yep. you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our world today, uh, seemingly one of the big things is to find a way to make passive income. The difference between having a job that makes you a bunch of money and you work nine to five at 40 hours a week versus mm -hmm. having something where you have side jobs that make you money without labor going into them at that moment. And I know right. you understand that. Um, but how has passive income influenced your life and how do you see being able to help others with the passive income world? It's a good question. And I just want to start by addressing that. I think passive income is almost a, it's almost a misnomer and it's a little misleading. Uh, it's, it's, it sounds like one of those get rich quick kind of things. It's not quite and, passive and it's not, it's <laughs> it, in fact, it's anything but when you first start. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, I just see, and I'm going to harp a little bit on this. I see these people, and I feel bad sometimes they get deluded into thinking that there is some get rich quick Ponzi scheme that, you know, they can sell candles online on Facebook or whatever. And, and, you know, if they get enough people signed up underneath them, that it'll be a self-sustaining thing. And, you know, maybe that works for a few people. Um, but I, I think most people are kind of put under some sort of illusion that that will work for them. And I think it's a lot more valuable to do self-assessment understand where your strengths lie, understand the people you have good working relationships with and understanding what they need. So if there is an unmet need in the economy or like, you know, in your group of friends or whatever, and you can provide that need and, you know, maybe charge a little bit for you putting it all together. I think that is how good communities are actually cultivated. I, I don't really subscribe to the whole, like everything should be free. You know, I think I definitely think that there are people who should be paid for their specific niche expertise in things. And for example, like when I bought CDJs, I didn't know, I had no idea how to use them. And it took me two years of like actually playing with them and figuring out how to use them before I could consider myself good enough to like start renting these out be like, okay, well maybe, this is a good idea because people keep asking me about this. I've said no like 50 times, but maybe this would be a good idea. Cause then, you know, if I, if I rent these out for like 50 bucks each, I rent them out like 10 times, I can buy another set of CDJs and then I can have one set at home and then one set that's always rented out on the weekends. And it's just this, this avalanche of finding out what needs aren't being met by 
either your close circle or if you really want to go outside and start making like real money outside of your close circle, finding out what those needs are and then making it easy for people um, to get those needs met. That That's that's all it is. It, that's passive income in a nutshell. Um, there's no, you know, I, what you're doing with the podcast, I think, is great because people have a desire to want to learn to better themselves. They want to hear interesting things. And, you know, maybe if there's an ad at the beginning of the video that pays you five cents per click or whatever, that's a little bit of a way of paying you for putting it all together. You know, I, I don't I don't see the harm in that at all. And I think that's you just need to find. I know there's a lot of people out there who are struggling and are trying to figure out, you know, I, I can't even afford to, like, pay rent. How am I supposed to, like, save up money to buy CDJs and then rent them out? It, that's not what I'm saying at all. You need to like start this process now of discovering what you can provide in the future and not get discouraged by, you know, how much things cost now or, you know, where your current position is because you can always go up. It's easier. I, I, I maintain this. It is easier to accelerate quickly than to maintain momentum. So once you start this ball rolling, your momentum is actually harder to maintain. So if you are in a position where you have like nothing, then the, the axiom is kind of true. You have nothing to lose. And so you can go in all these different directions. Whereas if you've made it, and I'm kind of in this position where I have these different directions I can choose to go right now, there will be some paths that lead me to better, better outcomes than others. And I have to figure those out while still maintaining these other possible avenues. So all of that effort goes into me analyzing these things when someone who is literally starting at nothing can put all of their energy into one avenue and figuring that out. So I, I do think there is, there's definitely hope out there for people who, who need to find, you know, some way to give back to the community and then also get back from the community for what they provide. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of it is, I guess, I guess I won't even give my two cents. On no, it. I, I think, no, I'd love to. I think I'd that's love to perfect hear enough in it. Uh, well it's, it's finding a way to, uh, quit screwing around it's kind of the way i can put it best stop going out and partying it's the thing <laughs> so like that was hard for me as a dj is going right into it being like oh like i'm supposed to go out every night and meet people right and but that is at a certain point i know everyone but it's yeah. not helping me get a gig right because i'm not pushing it that next level and um uh someone who i showed you his book earlier tim ferris mm -hmm. uh he has got some stuff with four hour work week and it was this idea of like set a timer on your phone where you can only check social media from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. Like only check your email for one hour a day. Like finding these ways to quit screwing off. And right. it's so easy in this social media world with Reddit, with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Like you just get stuck in these loops of information overload. Absolutely. That you do nothing with it. And so I think one of the big things for me is learning how to set a time for social media where that can be my yes. time to do it. But then the other time goes towards, like you said, critically analyzing what can I do in the future that's going to help me get not from necessarily point A to point B, but like somewhere in between where you yep. can like get the little things. Like you mentioned uh, in your interview thing, doing like pushing carts for people at shows. Yeah. Like you, you had nothing to lose. It was something that is in a creative realm of something you enjoy. Exactly. And and I think that's why internships exist. Um, 
internships have also kind of gotten a bad rap because you can not get paid for something and putting in lots of work and, and you I have think to that's have fine. you got to have five years <laughs> of experience but some of it is like Come work for free yeah <laughs> right I mean, that's that's what we're doing right now with some of our assistants is like, can you come work for free? And then we will offer you good things when we get where we're going. But we want you to be a part of the team. Right. It's been our big thing is finding a team um, <laughs> right now. You seem to be joining different teams in terms of like, you know, Anjuna Beats or, or um, yeah. Zomboy. Yeah. Uh, do you are you in process of kind of cultivating a team of people to help you or are you just kind of. Dead mouse, I'm one man show, I'm doing it all. For a long time I was that way where I was the one man show and I, I didn't want to be partnered with anybody. Um, just because I knew my vision, I knew what I wanted out of life and I was gonna get it, right? And I've gotten to that point where it's become too much to do it by myself. And there's, there's the option of hiring people on to like work for you. And then there's the option of partnering with people and going in on projects together. And I'm not partnering with any like DJs or, you know, any, any, any artists per se, but, um, I am looking at partnering up with other people who are doing what I'm doing, uh, in the lighting, visual design realm and kind of creating a, a powerhouse and a team of people who can go and do shows and provide the same level of awesomeness that any one of us could individually do, but just on a bigger scale. So it's all about just finding like-minded people. And it's taken me, I mean, I've been here, I've been in Seattle for three and a half years and I've only just now gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, I understand there are these four people that I regularly work with who I could trust to put out on any show and know that they would not tarnish my reputation or my name. Um, and now it's just getting to the point of how do we integrate those people together into our system and, and, and make it easy for clients to understand that, okay, maybe I'm hiring Christian's team, but maybe Christian isn't going to be there, but the show is going to be just as good as if he was. Um, and that's, that's the big hurdle right now is assuaging those, um, those worries from, from previous clients. Nice. Um, so I'll, I'll do a little bit of a, a segue here, but yeah. I also know you're a big fan of flying. <laughs> yes. Uh, so is that also something that you see being able to incorporate into this crazy? <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> almost purely a, a hobby type thing. Nice. You know? I mean, uh, I, I've talked with, uh, I don't know if you know Eric Mahold. I don't. He does, uh, he does all the designs for USC events. Okay. So uh, any, any of the freak night designs, you see the, the, the way the truss is designed, all that stuff. That's all his stuff. I come in and then I'll do the programming and make the lights flash and all that stuff. But he is really the guy who is making the stage look the way that it looks when it's off, right? Which is just as important as when it's on, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> he, he originally went to school for flying. Uh, he has his license, he's not current, but we have a dream of flying to Paradiso and doing a show together. <laughs> And so this next year, uh, we're, we're going to try to try to do that. We'll, we'll fly over to Paradiso in a Cessna and then um, we'll take a helicopter from the airport uh, next to George and then fly in on a helicopter <laughs> and go do our show. I'm That's really excited for that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, walking into 
EDC, what was that? Like 2012 <laughs> or something like that, and seeing helicopters flying over and being like, like Whoa. oh, that's the way to get in and yeah. out of here. And like <laughs> this three hours of traffic? Yeah. No, just no. flying helicopter. Yeah, no big deal. That's legit. I like it. What what got you into flying? Um, I <laughs> my dad kind of forced me into flying oh. um when I was I want to say 11. There's another photo out there of me floating around as like little like 11 year old Christian. I might have even, I, I think I was 11 <laughs> and I had never like had or any real interest in flying ever. But for some reason, my dad decided to surprise me and take me and go to this little flight school out in Laurel, Montana. This is like a little tiny runway with like two buildings on it. And I can't remember. He told me some story about like how, oh, his friend needed help, whatever, pushing the plane or some some story that an 11 year old would believe. And so we we pull up and uh, it's just so it's so funny remembering these details now that I'm telling the story again. It's like I can remember like the sound and the smell of like the dry gravel as we're like rolling up in my dad's forerunner is like four by four pickup truck and just getting out and him being like, well, are you, are you ready for your first flying lesson? And I'm, I'm like super confused. I, I don't even know that like flying lessons are a thing. I've never, I've never seen the inside of a cockpit with the exception of like, you know, big 737. I don't, I didn't know like you could like do these like little small planes and go learn how to fly them. And I was just kind of like, uh, sure. And at, in retrospect, I kind of think like he's probably maybe upset that I wasn't like really blown away. <laughs> And like really excited to go do this flying lesson, but I ended up going out and I, I, I did like maybe, maybe 10 lessons and, you know, I would go do the ground school. I was just like the little kid who would sit in the back and like take notes or whatever. I wasn't like officially a student cause I was not legally the minimum age to be a student, but I was still like doing the lessons, all this stuff. And then after about a year of just like passively doing that at once every couple of weeks, um, I just kind of fell out of it and had other interests, interest in cars, interest in girls, um, you know, really awful things. <laughs> and, uh, and now I've just kind of rekindled that and yeah. Nice. Have you, uh, have you flown over like the islands a little bit further North, like up into Not Canada? Yet. I want to, that, like I have, I, if you saw the list of places that I have like marked down to where I want to fly and like go take photos and just like go out and have fun with friends, it, the list is like you know, San Juan's, all, all that stuff's in there. Yeah. If, if I could put number one on a list, it would be Desolation Sound, uh, nice. which is just kind of inside of Vancouver Island okay. up along the coast. And you kind of go, there's a bunch of different inlets. I used to go boating up there every year wow. um, on my family's boat. And we would, I would go spend three, four weeks up in Desolation Sound. And that is literally the most beautiful place wow. on earth. And so I highly recommend it. I've done okay. float planes several times Desolation up there up to like, there's one called Dent Island and it's okay. owned by the Nordstrom family. Uh, and it is so beautiful up there. And that's kind of my first experiences is hopping in a float plane, mm -hmm. being in the front seat. Cause I was a young, like 10, 12 year old. And then the right. pilot being like, here, hold on. Exactly. You want to drive for a little bit? And so I had done that like half a dozen times, um, you know, not actually flying. And then my uh, girlfriend a few years ago, different girlfriend, she uh, got me lessons just like that, just for a yep. birthday, just surprised me. And I was like, oh, sweet. Went and did kind of up and over Seattle, up over um, the the port there, which was yeah, the good old tour. Yeah, which was really sweet to do. And I've seen some videos of you doing that, too. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah and then my most recent time going up to desolation sound i was up in the front seat again and the pilot was like well you want to take over and i was like yeah i've actually flown several times i kind of know what i'm doing he like fully took over he <laughs> let me like probably shouldn't be totally saying it. i won't say what airline or anything but he was like yeah go for it and he let me basically land the plane wow it was crazy I yeah was like, as long <laughs> as he's pilot you know as pilot in command you yeah. have full authority over the entire safe operation of the flight this is me just like reciting like the, the, the actual like uh, the you know, part 91 rules. But um, yeah, he can do as long as the, the flight is safe and is not breaking any laws, he can fly the plane however he wants. And if that means flying it by telling you how to fly it or just sitting there not saying anything, nothing legal about that. Yeah. Some good times with that. Yeah. So uh, you don't see yourself, you know flying any big planes and stuff. It's more of just like hobby. It's a hobby for now. I think, you know, if I, I'm doing this career for a while and it, it starts to make me some good money and, you know, I've got a house and maybe like a second house in the mountains or something like that. <laughs> I think it'd be cool to like have a plane uh, just for fun though. And, you know, maybe occasionally fly to a show. Can you handle high G forces? Like personally, like yeah. I'm, I'm a very, I, I'm a very, very high tolerance person in almost every respect. So like crazy roller coasters Everything. don't bug you? Nothing. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've, I'll do it all. That's one of my saddest things in life is that I tend to get nauseous. Oh no. Uh, so I like, I can't do the super crazy ones yeah. at all, but that was always a thing would be like, I would love to fly like a fighter jet. Yeah. How crazy that I, would I've be. I've honestly looked up the pricing on like where you can go to like, like fly in the back seat of a, like a Russian MIG just to see what the cost is. It's, it's really fucking expensive. Mm, just yeah. spoiler alert. Gotta know someone. You gotta Dude, know someone. You gotta, you, you can, don't worry about the price. Just worry about if you really fucking want to do it. You yeah. can make it happen. Just make sure the GoPro's recording. Yeah. Just trying to hit nine G's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like squeezing all the blood from my fucking toes up, in up into like, I'll probably make it in my pelvis. I don't know if I'll make it all the way to my brain. It's all right. Then they'll just pass out. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That's uh, that's one of those things that saddens me the most that, but also knowing that I would love to go to space. Yeah. Now, I know there was this huge hype over like going to space and whatnot, but do you think, let's say, let's say Elon Musk continues to be a badass <laughs> of all badasses and gets us into space and there's a safe enough way that you could go and return? I'd go right now. Right? It doesn't have to be safe, honestly. <laughs> really? No, okay. I, yeah. I... <sighs> There's, there's like definitely a threshold for me for doing stupid shit. Um, I like to evaluate pretty much like every, I'm just, I'm crazy like this. I'm always just thinking about like the pros, the cons, um, how to do things. And I, the space is one of those things where it's like, if I had the opportunity to go to Mars and they were like looking for one dude, I'm hands up. I, I'm, I'm raising my hand to, to be the guy who volunteers. Yeah. Cause I yeah. feel like you could in theory learn anything. Yeah, and I, I think most people have that power. I, yeah. I feel like it's a little more innate in certain types of people. Like they're they're just some people that I just like I click with and I know that, you know, I can I can see it in their eyes that they have this passion for life and this passion for figuring out how to get what they want. And those are the people that I like working with. I'm not saying that not everybody can have that level of passion, but some people get more easily distracted by things that are not their passion that maybe they think are their passion. And that is kind of sad to me. And I, I know not everybody can succeed and like do amazing, incredible things. I, I really, that, that it's just a fact. It, it's just an economical fact. Um, we live in a reality where 
resources are scarce. Not everybody can have what they want. And I'll be damned if someone else is going to get what I want. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's really like how how I operate in this whole, you know, realm of like getting what I want, I guess. That's another little tangent, but, yeah. you know. So another thing that you want is a second house in Montana. Second house in either Montana or Alaska. Or maybe like do the <sighs> yeah. triangulation thing where like you do like, you know, Montana, Seattle, Alaska. Okay. I think uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And so is it mostly just the raw beauty of nature that draws yes. you to there? I, I grew up in Montana and I stayed inside all day playing Counter-Strike and Crisis. Uh, and now every time I go back, I'm just like, <laughs> who? Why, why did someone not grab me and just like shake me and yeah. tell me like, you not see, look outside, man. Like just look outside the window. Do you not see like all this amazing stuff that's out here? And so I'm in this, in this mood recently where you know, I want to go out, go out and explore these amazing places that are literally one of a kind. And I, I have this list uh, that I keep updated on Google Drive. It's places that I have seen versus places that I have not seen yet. And I'm, I'm adding way more to the places I haven't seen yet than the places that I'm taking away from the places I have seen. And I think that's an okay balance, actually. Yeah, and it's a good thing to have that continued drive to go see and do more. Yep. And then hopefully, uh, I know we talked about passive income is kind of a misnomer, but if you've gotten to that idea where true passive income, where you've, yep. you've created a foundation and that allows you to go do all the things you want to do while still having a team mm -hmm. and income being generated, then you can go see all those places, mm -hmm. especially if you buy your own damn plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's so many pieces to this puzzle that are like my different phases of life. Like, I've, I've really, I've thought about this a lot. I think about where I've been, where I'm at right now, where I want to be. And I, I compartmentalize that all into different phases of my life based off of what I need to get to the next one, what I'm currently working on and what, you know, what other kind of external things I need to bring into my life to get to that next phase. Um, and so right now I'm in what I call like phase three. There's like about seven in my life. Um, and <laughs> This 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 is all coming together uh, to kind of just like make this amazing timeline of existence. And I'm not wasting any time in this universe because I only get one shot. I don't I don't have any beliefs in an afterworld afterlife. All I know for certain is that I'm here right now and I'm going to make the absolute most of it. So what got you to the idea of seven phases? Um, it, there, this is not true for strictly true for everybody. This is just a model that fits my life specifically. But I do think there are these specific phases where you can, I, and I, I can mark these points clearly in my mind where I've made these transitions. And it, it's just as clear as day as ice melting into water and water evaporating into, you know, air. Right. It, it, it is literally just like that is these transformative phases where you can say, OK, I'm no longer in this state. I am now fully invested in my current situation because some, there are some externalities that you cannot change. Right. So you need to take with take whatever you have given to you and the skills that you've brought along with you to get into that next phase. And that's that's super broad. But I hope that like maybe. I, I do a lot of like these like science, uh, you know, physics type analogies uh but that's what's gotten me to where i'm at right now and i'm not saying i'm like amazing or anything like that i i, I don't actually think that highly of myself and um 
that's actually a really big problem I have. Uh, online Christian is a lot different than, you know, 2.30 a.m. That's in what bed social media is Christian. for. Yeah. <laughs> Portraying what you, what you want other people to think you are versus yeah. what you actually feel. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work into changing that. Um, recently, specifically, because I just found that social media and the way that I was using it and that kind of like made me the haha cool funny online facebook guy uh it was it was really bringing me down and hurting personal relationships um and so i just kind of tried to maintain that but do it in a different way so that i'm more inspiring people rather than just making them laugh but maybe disguising that it's kind of like you know i want to inspire people but a lot of inspirational shit is really boring so if I can maybe force feed that inspiration to to the people who follow me or whatever, I think that's better than just being like this like fake inspirational. I'm gonna post this like quote on this like flower outline <laughs> image. I feel yeah. That's that's been a constant struggle for me too. Like I, if if I could be one thing, I think one of the main things I would like to be is somewhat of an inspirational figure. Yeah, through, a great through whatever medium. Yep, and so I. I always kind of look at it as more chapters. And so that's why I asked you why the seven phases. Yeah. Um, and you use some some good science physics explanations, but I still never got quite exactly why you think there's seven. Right. This is a little more personal part of me, but uh, so I, I'm, I'm saying I'm in phase three right now where things are accelerating really fast. So if you could name phase three, if, what would phase three be titled? Phase three would be like, <laughs> if I could name phase three, oh man. I would say this is like discovery. Okay. You know, kind of like the Daft Punk album. Okay. You know, where this is, this is like, this is like the sophomore kind of understanding where they fit in and being able to really harness uh, their mental faculties to form the world around them. So I, I feel like that's where I'm at right now. And so moving on from that, then my next phase I see is just uh, this, this this complete like i don't want to say insane exponential growth but this next phase will just be where everything is coming so fast that i cannot even process it and i need to have a business and a team of people who are all like around this idea of what i want to create that's what i see as like next phase and then after that i'm like looking at family phase okay how do i how do i uh perpetuate what I want to put into the world as like an actual physical, like other person. Like I used to hate the idea of having kids. I was like, that's like, no, never, never, never disgusting, gross, like how annoying, how expensive. But then if you look at the cost of like not having a kid and, and the cost of like, you know, your regret and the cost of, you know, maybe I could have done something great for society. Then I think that, is a far higher risk than, you know, actually having a kid. So like, that's, that's like my family phases after that. And then after I do like the family phase for 20 years or whatever, then it's the retirement and giving back and doing all this charity stuff, flying around the world and really kind of my last hurrah. Uh, and that, that's, that's, and then phase one and two, they don't really matter so much. Those are more just like really formative years. Yeah. And, you know, that it, everyone has like the same first, like phase one, phase two. Like, I don't know anything. I'm really lonely. And then like phase two is, you know, oh, I'm really, it's, yeah. 
I feel you. I hope that, I hope that does that answer? It does. Okay. It definitely does. Yeah. Uh, I feel I'm, I'm quite similar in, in ways like that. Um, I feel like if you mix phases, you can't really, you can't channel all your effort into making it the best outcome possible. Like there, there's, there's all these studies that show when it is like most, most advantageous to start a really high paying career, uh, when it's most advantageous to like get married, when it's most advantageous to, um, have a kid, all this, all this stuff. It's, I, I just want to do things the way that will end up with the best outcome for everybody involved in my life. And it would be a disservice if I ignored all those science, all that research, all those things that are kind of like culminating in these distinct phases that I'm working on. And the phases are much less time-based. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, there's like some specific time things like, you know, when you have a kid, you're, you're kind of tied up for like 15 to 18 years of really <laughs> focusing on making sure they don't die. Yeah. Um, and kind of instilling them, instilling within them the values that you want them to continue with your legacy because your legacy is not your last name. Okay. Your legacy is the values that you instill with your children. And that's, that's one of the things whenever I meet someone, if I, if I want to date someone or if I want to get to know someone on a very personal level, most important thing is finding out how they were raised for me. And so I can immediately know based off of their parental history, you know, what kind of person they are and how I need to treat them. And not that I would give someone special treatment in any certain circumstance, but it just gives me a better idea of how I can interact with this person in a way that is most valuable for both of us. For sure. Yeah. Well, we can, uh, we can get into some of that <laughs> off, off camera, off microphone <laughs> in the future. I would, I would enjoy yeah, that. Cut. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are there any like movies that super speak to you in, in, I guess, culminating what you mm. mentioned with your seven phases? Like mm -hmm. for me, I'll just give my example is yeah. like the matrix. That's okay. like how I see my future in its own culminating way Interesting. um is there if you ask someone a favorite movie some people say like oh cult classics and right. they tend to throw some stuff out is there something that is also a favorite movie that you see as being actually like really impactful in your life and helping shape this phase so here's the thing me and like traditional media movies we, we don't really get along so well um I, i've never really i've never i've never liked the whole like just I, I I don't get enthralled by normal big budget movies. I don't get enthralled by like cult classics. There's just very few movies that actually really grab me and that I'm able to to actually enjoy. And so it's been hard for me to kind of keep getting fed these same stories that are like they turn out to be the same story over and over and over again. And, and it's cool to see people tell the same story in different ways, but. I just don't really, and I, I feel like I see through it. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying there's like not good things to be learned from all these different forms of expression that are films, but it's just, I, I don't know. I've always had this disconnect. It's like, you know, these people are spending multiple millions of dollars <laughs> to tell this story. And it almost feels like it's being forced. And I, I don't know. I, I, I really like independent creators who are out there creating really short stories with one camera, one operator, their vision. That's the stuff that really speaks to me. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, that's you know, uh, that's what I'll, I'll get lost in these like Vimeo and YouTube holes where it's just these people who have nothing but a camera, uh, a copy of Final Cut Pro or, you know, After Effects or whatever. And they're just putting their entire vision of how they feel at the moment onto the screen. That's 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 where I find most value. Interesting. I like it. Um, well, I guess we'll continue into phase four, kind of like you said, uh-huh. before family in theory. Yeah. Uh, what else in theory. would you... <laughs> in theory. <laughs> I feel yeah. Uh, what else would you try if you knew you couldn't fail? Like what, what crazy thing out there? Exactly. But like (laughs) outside of the realm of what you're doing, like let's, let's just theoretically say you've gotten to a point where you have enough passive income to fly all over the world to do Mm -hmm. the things you want to do. Like what would be something that's just like a bucket list item of like, it can be as ridiculous as possible. Like I would really like to just do do five years of complete grand exploration. Uh, everything from circumnavigating the globe to, you know, visiting all of the the seven wonders of the ancient world. All these different things that you know most people only get a chance to see on a screen or in print or anything like that. That's I'm I'm just really this last year or two of mine I've been completely enthralled by the beauty of the world in a way that I have not been before. And it, it's a very, very cool feeling to be like, I know exactly where I want to go. I know exactly what I want to see. And my career is going to take me to some of those places. And then after I'm done with that, I'm going to have enough left over to be able to see all the places I didn't get to see. And those are very physical locations. For the most part, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's events I want to see as well. Um, that are that are more tied to like feelings or emotions, um, places that have a lot of history as well. I'm a huge World War II like fan. Okay. So I, I've I've always wanted to um, to visit France and see the Normandy beaches, things like that. Th- th- those those things that just have uh, human history involved with it. I think that not transcends natural beauty, but is a perfect complement in exploring natural beauty and then also exploring the past of humans as a culture. So given the past of humans as a culture and your uh, belief at the current moment in not necessarily believing in something greater or an afterlife, et cetera, um, there is an innate human desire to believe in something. Is there Mm -hmm. something that, that draws you some, some previous, uh, religion, heritage, culture. You mentioned World War II, yeah. but like, is there is there anything that draws you into a deeper self exploration study that goes beyond learning your environment and more on a ethereal plane? Right. The ethereal plane is something I think about a lot, and I'm blown away that you just used that exact phrase because that that was almost the exact phrase I was going to use to start my sentence. So thank you for that. <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I think about. I think about existence in a lot of different ways. Um, the most common one though is we're all just these different, we're, we're all in these different planes of existence where we have our own experiences, our own view of the world, and they can sometimes intersect at different points, but they're never actually completely aligned for the most part. You can find people who, you know, if you meet them, you just know like you have the exact same view on the world. You have 
all the same tastes, all these things. I think that's a really special thing. Without getting woo, like your reson your frequencies resonate together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, I don't know if I'd exactly use those words. I just mean from like a music standpoint but, of like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's uh, constructive interference okay. like with a wave. Okay. You know where most most waves will be destructive or they'll create some sort of garbled mess. But when you find a wave that is on the same wavelength, the same amplitude, it doesn't even have to be the same amplitude, but it sometimes helps. Um, everything just gets brought up to a higher level, like a higher level of energy, a uh, higher level of understanding, if you want to think about it in a spiritual way, which I have been doing more lately. I, previously, I didn't really give a fuck about anything spiritual. I was just like, I'm here to like, I'm here to do my work and be a badass. That's all I wanted to do. But now, as I get older, I just turned 25, which is a very scary age. Um, I think a lot more about what you're talking about. And this ethereal plane is a thing that I think about all the time. I'm just like constantly thinking about where other people that I'm close to are in their plane of existence and where our points intersect, where they diverge, and then how to you know, best interact with those people in that way. Um, so I do think there is a very, very, uh, very spooky sort of coincidence in the universe. And there's, there's some shit I cannot, I, I couldn't explain. And if I told you, you know, thousand times these different stories about coincidence that just shouldn't happen, um, th there's definitely something as a mechanic that I don't understand as a mechanic in the universe that I don't understand personally. And I'm okay with not understanding that. I'm not really okay with like being forced into it all the time though. It, it, it gets very scary and very too real sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no other plane I'd rather be on though. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's that, that quantum aspect that's almost like scary these days. If like you have this understanding of the world around you and how to physically attached to anything or touch this tangible nature and then the idea of quantum that things are just popping in and out at all times and you're like wait what right but at the same time it doesn't seem to affect your day-to-day -day life but it's those those 2 30 a.m times that you talked about where your brain is on this whole nother level yeah. thinking about the ethereal plane and you're like wait how does this all that it, right. it gets pretty crazy at those times absolutely so kind of a stupid question but i was just thinking earlier if you were, you mentioned waves, what wave yeah. would you be? Would you be like a sine wave, uh, a square wave? <laughs> so, you know, that's a good question. Um, I would be, I'd be a saw wave. Yeah. Saw wave for sure. Good call. Or maybe some sort of like uh wave table that's like custom and mm. some little, you know. <laughs> yeah i like it so I, the issue with that i would still be functional though I, I still have one output for every input but you know yeah the issue with that is like you said is finding that other wave that's on that same yes. wave as you you the more complicated you make that wave the harder it is to find yeah. the coinciding wave that then completes it well enough it can be a little bit off right but i think that's what's been really interesting for me i'm 28 now and not that mm -hmm. my three years is a magical difference but the amount I've learned from 25 to 28 oh, yeah. is mind boggling. The, the world I'm in now um, and that difference of like finding a partner is very much on that line of finding someone who's similar to those waves and bounces yep. in and out of that plane at the same time as yep. you. Yep. And sometimes being exactly matched up is a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? And so being divergent in the right ways and being convergent in the right ways, 
that's that's what I'm searching for. I, I and I don't want to like get too much into like dating or whatever. I just I I hardly ever date. I've had like three girlfriends my entire life, and um, it's it's one of those things where I'm very serious about who I'm interested in, and I I put my full effort into any sort of romantic venture, um, and that's why because I don't like wasting time. I don't like beating around the bush. I I like I like what I like, and I want to find someone who is on that same sort of path that I'm on. You will. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. It's the same idea. Like, that's why the Matrix is so interesting to me. Like, the architect, mm-hmm. like, the idea, like, the whole explanation of what you just went through is that you are creating this destiny for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the difference is, you know, you have everything lined up on your plane and it's not going to always go the way you assume it's going to go to, but you still have this like general idea of where you can push it. You know, which your phases are now how you get from phase (laughs) two to phase three doesn't matter, but you know, you're going from there to there. Yeah. That's it's, that's why I know that you'll be fine in figuring out exactly like when that phase, that family phase comes, like it'll feel right. And it just like drops into your lap. It's the weirdest thing when the person who you would never expect yourself being with is like, oh, wait, I'm with this person like and this person is absolutely perfect for me. Like, yeah, where did that come from? Very nuts. Very nuts. It's pretty trippy, but it almost feels like that other plane. Yeah, you're like, exactly. How did this pop in? All of a sudden, you're like a quark that just popped into existence right here and everything else popped out. Yep. It's pretty sweet. That is like the annoying part for me is the no explanation part. It's, it's, it's awesome that it happens, but I, I love finding patterns and which is kind of why your marble thing is kind of like, uh, messing with my head. Cause I'm like trying to figure out how it was like tilted or what, what exactly it was. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm obsessed with patterns. So like squares and triangles, all this stuff is, uh, is very, uh, very soothing to me. Um, and it, it's, it's the same with like my existence. Fair enough. Uh, if I turned the lights off, would it mess up your camera no, on its no, autofocus? No, no, you're fine. Let's see if I can turn this all. Oh, I might not be able to turn it off from here. Are these Philips Hue? Uh, one second. I'm gonna go the turn. American DJ. I guess. I guess this isn't as easy as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> but I was gonna. Oh, maybe this, this is a good this time for me to restart dead. the timing thing too. Okay. But yeah, so I was just gonna sh- show you that uh, the <laughs> when you turn off the lights, it glows, and it was uh one of those things I found at a garage sale. I need Someone to go to more was just like, sales. Yeah, they were like, yeah, it's like five bucks. Go for it. And yeah. apparently like their neighbor painted it <laughs> and just kind of like abstractly threw it all together. Huh. And then I get home and it glue in the dark. And I was like, You're like bonus. All right, sweet. I'm going to throw that right <laughs> in the studio. It's cool. It fits. I like the studio too. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's been a, it's been a fun culmination. And like I said, I've tried to get into <laughs> producing and that's, I, I learned my DAW. I, I know it, but in terms of like actually creating music has been much more difficult, but yeah. now I've transitioned in a way of being able to produce podcasts through it. It's amazing. That, that's how I learned it is I would, um, I couldn't record anything through my CDJs. So I had right. to get that Scarlet over there. <laughs> and so I was just like, TCUI or, or uh, what is it? Or, I don't uh, remember. IT? I, I can't, I'm, I'm mixing up camera model numbers with uh, Scarlet <laughs> yeah. numbers. Yeah. Is that's that my that T2I. That's my T2I Canon right <laughs> there. I think it's like a Scarlet <laughs> I8 or something like that. I don't know. There's all these random you numbers. Have the A7. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But so I used to use that to record. And so I did like uh, 35 episodes of a once a month podcast that I put out. And so I did that for 
three years with a, uh-huh. a music podcast. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, I know this medium. I know how to record stuff through it. And like, I want to talk to people. Yeah. And that's where this podcast came about. I love it. Completely. It was just like, I want to get to know people. And there's mm-hmm. so many people in our scene that I haven't gotten the chance to know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, people are like, oh, well, let's go out and party. And I mentioned trying to know everyone. And it's like, I can't have a one-on-one conversation with you. No. And even if we do, we can't open up to a next level There's and no talk connection. about an ethereal plane yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> where life is going. <laughs> and so that is the most infuriating part about going to clubs. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it's, it's opened up some possibilities for relationships for people that I, I wouldn't have ever had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's really cool about it is kind of figuring out how to use what you find through different mediums in the current medium you're working in now. Yeah. So it's like you can you can use the nightclub to find a girlfriend, to find a best friend, to find a new DJ, to like find people to work with. But if that becomes like your life and your relationship to that person is solely tied to that one place, mm-hmm. then it can't evolve. It yep. can't expand. Yep. Um so uh, I'll get to a couple questions that people asked on social media, <laughs> just because <laughs> why not? Uh, Amanda, who yes. is a, a, a social media favorite, wants to know what your favorite type of cheese is and why. I have this really conflicting relationship with cheese. Uh, <laughs> I am a vegetarian, and I, I tried to go vegan for a while. Um, and so, like, the, the back of my mind, like, knows how cheese is made and how gross it is but then the front of my mind is like give me all this fucking cheese i want to eat all of it so <laughs> i i am a i'm a huge fan of like anything uh anything gouda anything like that really like not too moldy but just like enough of that like robust um that robust taste i really yeah. like creamy cheeses as well so brie is at the top of the list okay uh brie gouda feta like they're pretty basic cheeses i'm not like an aficionado but uh like oh so quick plug for sean's new deli by the bow delicatessen um i had i think it was rosemary goat cheese yesterday on their charcuterie plate and i was blown away that was like maybe my favorite cheese i've had in recent memory so yeah that's that's my favorite one nice i'll have to go check that out i haven't been out there yet it's a great little spot okay We'll get there soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess I'll use that as a little tangent then. So mm-hmm. you're vegetarian. Uh, for the most part, except for like sushi. <laughs> except for sushi. Which is a big exception. A little bit of pescatarian. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Okay. I was like hardcore vegetarian for almost two years. And then only recently when I went on tour, I kind of expanded my horizon a little bit into sushi because all the boys really like sushi. And I was like, I'm kind of tired of ordering veggie rolls. So... I've, I don't know. Yeah. Pescatarian. So what, a week. what brings that about? Um, I have a really, it's going to sound so hypocritical to all vegans out there. I shouldn't even say it. And don't worry about it. I, I, I just like, I care a lot about animals and, um, I know that like, just because I'm not killing them to eat them doesn't mean I'm not putting them through harm by enjoying cheese. So like, I, I totally get that I'm a hypocrite on that. And it's just, I, I want to reduce the total amount of like, of suffering and awfulness in the world. And I think that the meat industry is a very, very bad thing in general. 
and yeah you can do you can buy the free range the the like you know they were you know shaved their their toenails or whatever they like pampered them whatever like gave them shampoo baths or whatever but you're still killing that you're killing the animal at the end of the day and i would much rather not have that happen so one of my all-time 100% favorite influences ever is Joe Rogan, but I won't, yeah. I won't necessarily get into Joe Rogan, but one of my favorite quotes from him is, there's levels to this shit. <laughs> okay. And so that's that's a very big thing for me in, since we're in the food realm, there's right. levels to this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have ulcerative colitis. I haven't had dairy in nine years. Wow. And I haven't had gluten in 11 Wow. So it's one of those like I'm not in it for the fad of like oh I'm gluten free I'm dairy free <laughs> like, like, like dude I have I'm to. in this yeah. shit I'm at, like the top level of this shit like, it's like I don't have a choice <laughs> exactly and so but that's made me go on this insane discovery into supplements and food and how mm-hmm. to get what I need from food while also having the least amount of impact on the world yep. um, so I'm very much on that game with you um, I currently eat chicken and turkey. Mm-hmm and fish like those are the ones that i eat that i feel like eh, again like we're on these levels like it, it's hard to be fully vegetarian yeah especially if you have to take out anything dairy related and anything gluten related right. and so it's like there's levels to it um but i totally agree on the the factory farming stuff like it's all absurd so yeah, it's really it's just how how do you kind of minimize the effect that you're going to have on the world right. because you can't eliminate the effect on you have on the world yeah i mean without getting you always have a footprint yeah, like literally a footprint. Yep. And what's crazy is getting into like plants. And I know you can have all these conversations about plants versus animals and we won't get super deep. But the fact that <laughs> plants like arguably can feel things too and yeah. that they are living. I haven't looked in, into any of that. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's been some like scientific tests, like who knows what right. you read, what's real. You can do research and right. still have it seem real and not be. But like journal scholar articles that like plants have a reaction to pain. Right. And so in a sense, feel it. Um, and I've been getting deeper into mushrooms. I'm big into mushrooms these days. And if you... Uh, I hate mushrooms. Yeah. So I always <laughs> hated mushrooms until like about a year ago. I started taking a mushroom supplement. And now okay. I've learned how to cook mushrooms. And they're actually not that bad if you cook the right ones in okay. the right ways. Um, another plug for Joe Rogan. Uh, he had Paul Stamets. <laughs> he had Paul Stamets on his podcast. And if you've never heard of Paul Stamets, he went to like Central, I think, or like Eastern or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like super into mushrooms. He's like one of the mushroom experts, like works for the US government on creating like antidotes and antibodies and like this is a real deal mushroom dude. real scientist who then also really likes mushrooms um and like i take a supplement from him and whatnot but it was it's, it's a really cool podcast i recommend you listen to it but he goes back on human evolution on uh mushrooms were kind of the beginning and then you had like plants come off of and then humans come off of and animals come right. off of in their different ways um but that was kind of a cool idea is looking into mushrooms and so hmm. if you are serious about being vegetarian which right. obviously you are and you can handle trying to do some more research into mushrooms i would recommend it i'm actually thinking about starting my own mushroom thing i'm gonna go take a class in march it's like a full mushroom (laughs) cultivation course and like things i didn't even know existed yeah a year ago i hated mushrooms they're disgusting Mm -hmm. but like you cook them in the right way and you get the right ones um and that can be a great like protein source Mm -hmm. and the argument is like that's, that's some really cool stuff about just like the mycelium living underground yeah and the stuff that comes up is basically just like a sensory organ. Mm -hmm. So it's like taking off this sensory organ is like arguably even less 
than it would be like killing a vegetable or something right. just because yeah but uh some cool stuff but we we don't want to end up like steve jobs and be fully fruitarian no. and end up dying of yeah. cancer because, because we're like you don't actually yeah so that's where there's levels to this shit yeah like you you gotta you gotta eat the right food you gotta take care of yourself you gotta take vitamins yeah and you gotta take western medicine help when you need it sure yeah sure yeah i'm not a big fan of medicine i almost never i never take anything unless i'm like i have to uh, yeah I, I don't i don't like i don't like taking pills yeah, yeah i've been taking pills my entire life fuck, unfortunately man. fuck i know my my yeah i, I won't even get into the those stuff that sucks but it's yeah. uh yeah it's it's always an attempt to like get off of it because once you get on something like that you're like oh, i gotta find my way off of this because i don't want yeah. it yeah um yeah well i guess we'll go back to a couple more social media questions yeah, let's, let's do it we don't get to anything we'll else them out uh, i'll stop going on long ass <laughs> well i guess this one probably isn't too <laughs> short of one but amanda's was do you ever struggle with mental roadblocks and if <laughs> so what's your strategy to work through them I would recommend at that point going and watching your interview that I talked about yeah. on your page because yeah. there's some good stuff you get into that. Yeah, uh, and just to give a, a little bit of a, a recap and maybe expound a little bit on it. Um, yeah, I I have really awful days a lot of the time. Um, I'd say actually I have more like bad days than good days. And it really just comes down to me being able to put all of that aside. And I know I know a lot of people don't have the tools to like do this mentally. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, just, you know, power through it because that is that is like the worst possible thing you can say to someone who physically cannot do it. But at least work on building your own personal set of tools so that you can eventually get through that. And if you're if you're just sitting there not building those mental tools to get over your, your yourself in the future, is it really is it really is like this like second side of you that is always being super critical, self-doubting. You know, wondering if that girl actually likes me or whatever. This stuff just always is in the back of my mind. Like you're gonna, you're gonna fail. You're not gonna be a success. Are you gonna make rent this next month? Even though, like, I have no, I have no problem making rent. But it's always just like all of these things in the back of my head from my past, where my past problems are still like stuck in my present mind. Th those are just the things that you have to learn to filter out and allocate your resources to addressing the real issues, the issues that you can actually make a change for. So if there, if there, the way I always say it is, if there are things that are literally out of your control, then you should not even pay them any attention. Those should be the first things that you cut out. Um, you know, a lot of times that's personal relationship things. If, if you have no control over the way someone is feeling about you, then don't even just completely push that part of the equation off and then your balance will become a lot more uh, even. And you can then kind of allocate your mental resources with that whole thing pushed off to maintain that balance again. Um, again, I, I think of everything in like the force and you know balance and physics. I was a physics major when okay. I, before I before I dropped out. But I think I think physics and understanding forces of nature is applicable to all of this. And if you can use like a physical model to represent how your mind works and how it can allocate its own resources, then I think I think that it's it's valid across across the board. Um, that's, yeah, that's my tip: is cut out everything you have absolutely no control over, and then use your remaining resources to address the things that need to be addressed first. Beautiful, I dig it. 
Um, yeah. One last social media question. Yeah. I kind of touched on it, but uh, like, how do you imagine lighting being in five years? We'll say five years. We could go 10. We could do 15. Yeah. 15 okay. is going to be the real change. I would say 10 to 15. Like, watching one of your videos recently of just, there was like, what, a hundred lasers that were on oh, the yeah, stage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it was uh, 314 lasers. That was not that was not me. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, no, I know it wasn't you. <laughs> uh, ER Productions was the company that put that on, and yeah, they they had a really cool show at LDI. That's really cool. But yeah, uh, as far as like the future of everything, um, I think in the next two years you're going to see a change from having uh, a dedicated video guy, a dedicated laser guy, a dedicated special effects guy, a dedicated pyro guy, a dedicated automation tech. A dedicated what did i miss vj or lighting whatever there's like six or so positions on any big festival show all controlling different things of how it looks and then there's a sound guy but we're always going to have a dedicated sound guy because they're special and um <laughs> in a good way but i do think that all the all the visual elements are eventually going to collaminate into one position which will pay a lot better and, and, and it's a lot cooler to be like yeah i control the whole show rather than oh yeah I, I i do the visuals or i just do the lasers um so my my new project i'm working on this year um starting right after i'm done with my new year's eve run uh is to to reprogram my entire way of thinking about uh doing lighting because right now i'm pretty much just a lighting guy. i've done video a couple times but i want to get to the point where I am controlling how the entire stage looks with everything. And so I think that will actually be a little, it sounds like it'd be like a higher mental workload, but I feel like it will provide more, uh, more of like a homogenous look for the show. Cause right now it's kind of like, Oh, when the drop comes, Oh, everything's fine. Like, Oh, lasers are going over here. It's like different colors and stuff. And unless like the team is communicating on headset, and there's someone calling out cues and instructing which position to do which action. It's kind of like a crapshoot, which is fine. You know, it looks cool. Ravers don't really notice that much. But I want to get to the point where I want to get to the point where I'm doing these shows where the entire overall look really matters. And I think that's going to be the next step is having one person who does everything. That's just in the next two years. And then in 15 years, we'll still be using the same lights because the technology the, the problem with lighting technology is that everything has to be both forwards and backwards compatible for it to be economically viable. There are still shows that use par 64 halogen thousand watt lamps. So when a rental house who owns all this gear needs to provide gear for a show, they need to have everything to make both the par can rig work and the insane Skrillex flying LED wall show. They need to have the same equipment in the same network of gear to provide those different levels of show. And so that it's like this constant slight shuffle upwards of technology. Lighting is not like a big leaps and bounds like with uh, personal electronic devices. It's the entire system has to slowly bunny hop its way forward. And there are some technologies that just kind of transcend that. Um, automation tech, for example, just kind of like popped up and now everybody has moving trusses. You know, like, I don't know if you've seen the Trans-Siberian Orchestra um, shows on YouTube. They were like kind of the pioneers of like really big moving trusses and all that stuff. And now it's kind of trickled down to where 
even smaller shows have it. And that and that's like a really fast example of technology quickly being adopted. Everything else is very slow. So would you essentially like map like a certain key to a a specific laser that coincides with a specific light yeah. and then at the same time like you fire that and several different things that's an like, appropriate way of thinking about it okay yeah and the way it's set up it's you know it's just like a a, a daw digital audio workstation it can be set up in infinite ways to create the same look but it's all about just it, it, I, i'm not i'm no longer worried or restricted by the workstation that i work at the console is no longer a restriction. And now I finally have the tools to be able to combine these things to create these looks without having to worry about how to actually do it. And that's where you just kind of like hit the ground running and you're understanding how all these systems work together and you're able to paint this picture in your mind that you can instantly be like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of doing. And that's, that's finally the point where I'm at right now. Nice. Seems like you're at that point with life in general. Yeah, well, trying to be. Sweet. Well, we'll pretty much wrap it up then there. Is there anything else that you want to plug for what you're doing? Any? Uh, not really. I mean, I would just say the YouTube channel, you know, Google my name. <laughs> yeah. That's really it. We'll, we'll throw up links on say, everything. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for, uh, for having me here. I really appreciate it. This is a really cool setup. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad we could have you. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be trying to have some more people in here and do some, some other cool stuff, wait. but I'm glad you were number one. Oh man gonna make me tear up <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much christian thanks jordan we appreciate that and you all have a great one bye thanks for listening to the gravity lift podcast with jordan and antonella if you like our show and want to find more check out our website at gravitylift.space and when you get a sec please rate and review us on itunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide All right, back in the saddle. And we're back with Christian Jackson. All right, seven five, the zone. <laughs>